Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. Well, I want to share with you Matthew 2, uh, 1 through 13. Matthew 2, 1 through 13. Um, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. Now, this prophet wrote this 600 years-ish before Jesus' time. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod, verse 7, called for a private meeting with the wise men, um, with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him uh, too. That wasn't true, was it? No, Herod was crazy, which we're going to talk about. After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they worshiped, or they bowed down and they worshiped him. Let me give you some context to this. In Matthew chapter 1, if you grew up in the time that I grew up, we would know this as the, the begat chapter. How many remember the old, the new, uh, uh, the King James version, begat? Begat, begat. And the only time we ever used that word was in church at Christmas time. I mean, we didn't go around saying begat much uh, back then. It was begat, begat. But, but I realized now the significance of the genealogy. So Matthew was written to Jewish people and Jewish believers. That's why he includes a lot of Old Testament in there. He would show them the Old Testament prophesied about Jesus, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that. So Matthew chapter 1 shows the lineage to Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, back to David. So it shows the lineage that Jesus was born into David's family, that Jesus is the fulfillment, that David's kingdom would be an everlasting kingdom. Jesus fulfilled that. And so they worshiped him as king of the Jews in chapter 1. What's significant about chapter 2 is that the wise men from the east were not Jewish but Gentile. And so they came and worshiped Jesus as well. And right at the beginning of the book of Matthew in chapter 1 and chapter 2, it shows us that Jesus is not just the king of the Jews, but he's the king over all people. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is no one like him. So when we see the wise men from the east, the Gentiles come to the house, bow down and worship him, Matthew was expressing, God was expressing through Matthew that Jesus is not just the king of the Jews, he's the king of the Gentiles, he's the king of of 
all. So we, they bowed down and worshiped him. Now, the focus of my message this morning is going to be on the last couple verses here. And there are different, many different approaches to the passage of the uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and the significance is Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. You know, the gold was because of his uh, kingship and all of that. And those are all great. Those are all wonderful uh, and very, very uh, shareable and preachable. There's the symbolism of each of the gifts and how it was fulfilled in Jesus's life. But I want to look at it a little bit differently, at least differently than I have ever looked at it before. And we're in verse 11. The last part says, then they opened their treasure chest. So they, they came to Jesus. Now, Jesus, the nativity scenes that we see are not accurate, which we've dealt with before. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change that Jesus is the son of God, son of man, born, lived, died, rose again. Doesn't change any of that. But the wise men didn't come to the manger scene. It was probably a couple years after that. They were living in a house. Uh, it was just different. It doesn't matter. I have the wise men in front of my house at the nativity, okay? I think everything is okay. Everything is okay. We don't, we don't major in the minors, okay? Uh, anyway, I'm not going to get into all that again. So here they were, and they opened their treasure chest and gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, verse 12, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, verse 13, watch this. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Remember, Herod wanted a report because he was crazy. This dream appears to Joseph, get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Herod had already before this time proven his insanity. He had three of his own sons killed and all of their attendants, all of their attendants in court, 300 or so. How mad, I don't mean angry mad, crazy mad, do you have to be to kill your own sons because of the insecurity and fear that one of them would rise up? He was a mass murderer, this Herod. He, had, he was going to have, and he did have all of the male children in that region of Bethlehem killed because he was afraid of the one that was born king of the Jews. He was a crazy man. He was a crazy man. So we know that part. We know that Mary and Joseph themselves were told to flee, and we know that Mary and Joseph were poor and that they didn't have a lot of money, and we know that because when they offered a sacrifice, they offered the poor man's sacrifice. They couldn't even afford to buy a lamb as a sacrifice for their family. They were very poor. So here's the situation. Herod and his government are chasing after them, and all of his power and finances and money is going to be used to try to find this baby that was born in Bethlehem in order to have him killed. We have Mary, who was probably a teenager at that point, Joseph traveling with this baby, and they were poor. They had no money, and they were going to have to go to a foreign land, Egypt, interesting. I uh, didn't even make that tie till this second. Going to Egypt, where they probably didn't speak the language, didn't have family, and they were just going to a whole new region without any type of support. Now, I don't know that Joseph thought this, but I'm thinking he thought this. How am I going to go to Egypt and provide for my family? How are we going to live 
How are we going to have our basic needs met? Men think that way. I remember back uh, years ago when we were planting a church and, and um, my salary was $200 a week. And even 20-some years ago, that wasn't much. And, and I spent a lot of time thinking, what are we going to do? How am I going to prov- provide for the family? And, you know, I've told you this story that before. The enemy comes in and he starts talking to you like this. What kind of man are you? You can't even provide for your family. What kind of man of God are you? Here you are planting a church, and yet you've got no money to take care of your family, all of these things. And the Lord spoke to me, not audibly, but he spoke to me one of the three times in my life as clearly as I'm speaking to you now, and he said, I've always been your source, and I always will be. And that was 25, 26 years ago, and it's still true today. And it turned out in that story, I'll go, go jump through the right. I worked an outside job. I worked in a dry cleaner uh, to make ends meet and ended up making more money that year than the previous year because God knows, he cares, and he's able to meet your need. So here's Joseph in the midst of this. Poor dude was just living his life, and then angels started appearing and virgin birth. And I mean, just living his life. He had his plan. God had another plan. His plan didn't involve crazy Herod chasing after them and fleeing to Egypt. His plan involved marrying a nice young lady. I almost said Italian young lady. I don't know why I almost said that. It almost just came out Italian young lady. That's just how my mind works. But anyway, marrying a young girl and then having a family and, you know, just typical stuff. No, none of that was going to happen. Now he was going to have to go to another country. How were they going to live? They were poor. How was he going to provide for their needs? Do you know the answer? It was through the gifts of the wise men. It was through the gifts of the wise men. Watch, we know gold was expensive. It's still expensive. Um, And so we know that that was worth a lot of money, what they offered. And again, these wise men were representing a kingdom. So they didn't come with a speck of gold. They came with some gold, an offering to a king. Okay, frankincense. Now, I want to talk to you about how frankincense is produced, okay, so you can grasp the value of it. Frankincense literally means high-quality incense. It's a resin made from the sap of certain trees from the, some tree, I don't know, specifically this other tree from this other larger section of types of trees. Okay, I don't know. Because of its use, it's also known as the frankincense tree, which was native in that time and still today, but more prevalent today, obviously, in the Arabian Peninsula and the Horn of Africa. Now, this tree takes eight to ten years uh, before it begins producing the resin from which they make the frankincense. Despite being hardy enough to survive great storms, the, the bark was very delicate, and if it was touched too harshly, it was fragile and it would be easy to remove. And so all of the collecting of this resin had to be done by hand. Not only that, but the quality of the resin extracted, individual chunks, which are called tears, must be hand inspected, being deemed suitable for the quality to be sold. Okay, so you see this process here, eight to ten years had to be uh, gotten by hand. It had to be personally inspected so that it could be sold. It had to be of high quality. The number of expert craftsmen involved in harvest, 
planting, harvesting, selecting, preserving this substance begins to show you the value of the frankincense that they brought to him. This was not just a piece of resin. This was something more that took years to produce. This is why it was so valuable. So we have gold, we have frankincense, and now we have, we have myrrh. There's gold and frankincense and myrrh. Okay, myrrh is also a resin, but it's presented most often in its liquid form, like a perfume. Remember the perfume that Mary poured on Joseph was a year's worth of wages. So take your wages in a year, that's what it was worth. Okay, this myrrh was like that. The tree comes from another tree, is also a member of that same family that frankincense comes by. I'm not a botanist, as you can tell. It's native to the Arabian Peninsula. It's reached into Africa and Ethiopia and south as, Ken- as far as Kenya. A certain, at certain points in history, myrrh, the liquid form, was so valuable, it was as costly as gold. Are you catching what I'm saying here? Joseph was wondering, maybe worrying about how he was going to provide for his family. Now, we can look at him and we can look and say, oh, didn't God already speak to him and God ever worked everything out? Well, hasn't he done that in your life too? And yet when we're faced with a new crisis, we still wonder and worry. So let's go, go a little easy on Joseph. Let's have a little grace for the guy. He had a plan. Turned out it wasn't God's plan. He never expected to be fleeing from a crazy man that would kill his own sons. How was he going to provide God knew, and God already had a plan for their provision. You catch this? God knew, and God already had a plan for their provision. Can I just tell you something here today? God knows, and he already has a plan for your provision. Now, there might not be three wise men that come to your house and give you valuable things. He might provide in some other way. He might provide a job. He might provide a better job. He might supernaturally provide somehow. We don't know how he's going to do it, but God sees the need. He knows the need and will meet that need when we follow after him. God provided what they needed to be obedient to his will. Do you see that? God provided what he needed what they needed to be obedient to his will. Let me mention again, I'm not trying to highlight only you guys, but you just happen to be there. Didn't they do a fabulous job? Oh, I love when they come and sing. Oh, holy night. Yeah, you can give them a good clap. Christine was just off of surgery on Monday, and she came out and wanted to, to do this, and we really appreciate, appreciate that. But as missionaries, have you ever had a time where you weren't sure? <laughs> but here you sit. And you have how many kids? Any more? Or, no, no, no. You don't have to answer that now. I was just wondering. Four kids. Have you ever seen God provide? Yeah. Joe and Heidi Burrell, missionaries for decades. <laughs> nice, right? De- have you? I mean, you know, he provides when we're seeking to accomplish his will and his purpose, his vision, his provision. I like this one. Where God points, he'll provide. See? He'll provide. 
first start with your own heart. God, I want to serve and follow you wherever you have called me to be. That doesn't mean necessarily to be a missionary on campus or with churches or in Austria at one point in ministry or wherever else. It means being who God wants you to be, where he called you to be within your home, within your family, within your neighborhood. If he's calling you there, he'll provide for all of your needs. God knew what they were going to need. God is outside of time, okay? I'm going to try to relate this the best I can. Now, I'm not good with this stuff, but imagine that you, uh, I know the, are the Eagles playing today? No, the Steelers are playing. So imagine that I DVR'd the Steeler game, and I was going to watch it later after the fact. But as I was walking home, someone yelled out to me, hey, the Steelers stink, and they lost, Okay, and that happens because people here are mean. No. So I'm walking home, and I hear that. Now, the game has already been played, but I haven't watched it yet. Just because I know the end result doesn't mean that the guys playing didn't have free will and free choice, right? So because God is outside of time, it doesn't mean that we don't have free will and free choice. Because he knows what we're going to decide doesn't mean he makes us decide that. You catch that? You have to think on this on another day. But he's outside of time, and so he knew what was going to happen because God knows past, present, and future. So he planted the frankincense tree long before Mary and Joseph needed it to flee from the crazy man Herod and go to Egypt and live for three years. Glory to God. That's the God we worship. That's the God we serve. That he cares about you so much that he's already planted the tree that you need for when you get to that place down the road. I've had this happen so often in my life. that it just it touches my heart every time I think of the goodness of God. And not one time was it because I deserved it. Every time it was because of his grace. He knows what you need. He'll meet your need. I thought of this this week as I was preparing, and I wanted to keep this message short, which I will. So this week I just stopped preparing because I just get excited Pastor Joe and I were talking about this, and we just keep going, 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 going. And I can preach like long periods of time, and all God's people said, amen, and keep going, brother, and keep, oh, no, 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 don't say that. But this came to me as I was starting to close the sermon preparation. A child should outgrow their dependence on their parents. That's true. But a child of God never outgrows their dependence on God the Father. No matter how far along we are in our walk with God, we're just as dependent upon him now as we've ever been. You can trust him because he knows, because he cares, because he's able to provide. You can trust him for your yesterday, for your past, and whatever has happened in your past, whatever you've done in the past, whatever sins you've committed in the past, you can trust him to forgive you of those sins. 
and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You can trust him for your past. And because you can trust him for your past, you can trust because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're catching this. You can trust him for your today. And whatever difficulty you're facing, whatever the circumstance might be, and you understand this isn't just about financially, finances. You can trust him for today. You can trust him for your present. And since he's the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. You can trust him for your future. Well, I don't know what the future holds. I don't either, but God does because he's outside of time. He's not limited by linear time the way we're limited. He's unlimited because he's outside of time. And so he knows your future. He's already planted the trees. He's already uh, has the gold ore established that someday will be made into precious metal. God already has that taken care of and already provided for you. We don't know what it is, but we can trust him. We can trust him. So as I close this morning, when I go back to songs, I often go back, back, because I like some of the old, old-time songs. So this week, Pastor Rick and I took a bagel trays to uh, one of the local schools to be a blessing to the teachers and, and uh, the staff. And so I brought in these bagel trays, and I know the, the principal there, and she comes out and she gives me a big hug thank you, thank you, and she gives me a hug. She says, I hug all the older men that come into the church, or into the school. Older men. (laughs) Easy, Vi. That's the first time you laughed all day. (laughs) And honestly, it, it hit me because I don't consider myself an older man, but compared to her age, however old she is, I'm an older man. And it like hit me. This was what day? Tuesday? Tuesday of this week. All of a sudden, I realized I'm an older man because I don't feel like that, and I certainly don't act like that. It was startling. So it made sense when I was trying to think of how can I close this message about God's provision and us not knowing, but God knows, and it was this song that came to mind. I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to share the words to you. Some of you will know it. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry or the future for I know what Jesus said and today I'll walk beside him for he knows what is ahead. I got chills. I'm not done yet, but I got chills. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow. And I know who holds my hand. Every step is getting brighter as the golden stairs I climb. That seems more relevant to me now than ever. When I sang it as a kid, it didn't have the same impact. Every burden's getting lighter. Every cloud is silver-lined. There the sun is always shining. There no tear will dim the eye. At the ending of the rainbow where the mountains touch the sky. I don't know about tomorrow. It may bring me poverty. But the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me. And the path that is my portion may be through the flame or flood. But his presence goes before me. 
and I'm covered in his blood. I, many things about tomorrow, I just don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. The finger that points has a hand that will provide. You can trust him. You can trust him. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. In honor of the children that did sign language, this is amen in sign language. All God's people said, amen and amen. Let me pray for you. We're going to have the children come back. Grandpa Pastor is going to be making an appearance, um, which also isn't as funny anymore as it used to be when I had hair and it was dark. But let's pray together. Lord, I don't know what everyone's facing. I do know some, but don't know what everyone's facing. But we have needs in our life that can only be met by you. And some of them are financial needs. And Lord, I just ask you to provide for those needs. Some of those are spiritual needs. Some of those are uh, family situations. Some of those are work situations. I, I don't know what everyone's facing, but you do. And that's much more important. And so, Lord, as you provided for Mary and Joseph, provide for the needs of your children, Lord, here today. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know the Lord and and they just want to make sure they're right with God, that today would be that day on on this Christmas Sunday to meet Jesus for the first time as the Son of God, not as a baby in the manger, but as King of kings and Lord of lords, Savior, forgiver, redeemer, rescuer, deliverer. We confess our sins to you and we believe, Jesus, you're the only Savior. Would you come and save us today? And Lord, I know that you will. Bless each person here, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.